You're listening to Community Union's Education Policy Podcast for England with Martin and Rob. In this episode, the second of our conference specials, we speak to Dean Osgood, a teacher from the Northwest, about his conference motion on student loans. So as we said in the introduction there, uh, we are joined by Dean Osgood, who's Head of Drama at School in the Northwest. Thanks for agreeing to uh, do this uh, recording with us, Dean. This is the second of our sort of conference specials. If uh, listeners will remember, we did a conference special immediately after the conference earlier this year. And this is sort of a follow up from that. And Dean is one of our members at conference who proposed a motion. Uh, Martin, do you want to just remind us all what the sort of the, that motion was? So Dean proposed a motion on behalf of uh, Leicester and Rutland regarding student loans. Student loans are one of the biggest issues affecting the recruitment and retention of educators, in particularly teachers in the UK. A great number of educators, particularly those that have graduated since 2012, are in danger of having potentially a compromised life as teachers due to the significant loans that they took out and the repayment schedule that is imposed upon them once they hit that trigger amount. So, Dean, that was a quick summary of your proposal to conference. Would you like to add anything else? And what do you think needs to be done about student loans? Yeah, so essentially I was calling on conference to kind of like help take this motion forward and and start lobbying the government because it's something we don't often speak about student loans when it comes to um, the recruitment and retention of teachers it's mainly the retention of teachers because it's something that hits you once you once you're in the profession and you start hitting over the threshold of repayment to put into context i was the first year in 2012 of the students going forward where it was the nine thousand pound tuition fees and the new student loans so i'm kind of like the front line of this going forward and seeing how this is affecting and the effect it's having on me and my take-home salary is horrendous and i can see if this is affecting me um it's going to affect other teachers it's going to affect other educators who have more responsibilities for me so i don't have any children but if i had children i had to pay for childcare as well as paying nearly two 250 pound a month in student finance loans it would be crippling. So we need to make sure that this is something going forward that we're lobbying government on. We're taking this forward as an agenda. No other unions are really talking about this. So that's why I wanted to bring it to conference so we could start the conversation because it's something that needs to be talked about because essentially a generation was missold alone by a government. A generation was missold alone that can then go back and change the interest rates and say, oh, do you know what? Inflation's up, so we're going to make you pay more. So we need to sort something out here, don't we? I was going to come back on that, actually, because I, I remember when these loans were first announced, they were they were nominally set with an interest rate of around about 5%, I think, weren't they? Uh, yeah. Which seems to be a reasonable amount for, for uh, an unsecured loan. Um, but what's happening now with with regards the the student loan amount then um, and the the uh, the interest rates? How is that linked to to interest rates and, and what impact could that have for people like yourself? So the the terms and conditions of what you sign up to when you get the student loan means that they can change the interest rate based on what inflation and the index rate and all the maths things that I don't really understand. But they're essentially they can change it retrospectively. So they can say now going forward, we're going to put this at 11 percent, meaning you're going to accrue more interest. 
than than what you would normally. So in the past, I've been paying whatever it was, five, six percent, and they're looking to put this up nearly to like nine, ten, eleven percent to match the interest at the inflate rate of inflation. But what that essentially means is I'm going to be paying off just interest. I'm not even going to be making any payments off on on the the, the debt itself. Bear in mind. By the time, if you think most educators will have a degree, they'll have a PGCE or, or an equivalent teacher training programme, and then they might have a master's degree. That's 70, 80,000 pounds worth of debt and then put interest on top of that. How is anyone ever going to pay that off? It's essentially making it look like this country has got money in the short term because it's money owed. But in 30 years time, it's all going to be written off. So we're going to be a massive deficit then. So why are we putting are educators through it it's not just educators it's everyone with a student loan this goes far beyond education but it's something that we as community can take forward and start to rally around to be clear we do need to mention to listeners that just earlier this summer the government did uh, begin to consider uh, aspects of this by uh, setting maximum interest rates by setting interest rate caps for all post 2012 loans reflecting the fact that interest rates have gone up significantly uh, our understanding is that from december 2022 um until the 31st of august 2023 the maximum interest rate will be 7.3% so significantly above the rate that you dean were uh, sold your loan at uh, but obviously um, hopefully not as high as interest rates are currently or, or set to spiral. And the income threshold for uh, for repayment has been set from April 2023 at £27,295. And that's really significant, I think, because with the government's intention for all teachers to be on at least £30,000, that means that even when people begin their very first job, they will be eligible for repayment of these student loans right from the word go, which means absolutely everything you've said about getting a mortgage, about getting a car loan, about looking after children should um, people be in those situations become that bit more difficult because automatically on top of tax, on top of national insurance, on top of pension, you are having to make these student loan repayments from the word go. And your postgraduate loan is also charged at different rates. So it, it, you think it's going to be one lump sum that comes out your wage for student loans. It's not. I pay two. I pay £100 for my um, degree and then I pay hundred over £100 for my postgraduate degree. Postgraduate degrees have different terms and conditions, which lots of people don't understand. So the threshold for repayment of um, postgraduate loans is far lower than the 27000 I think it's 25000 off the top of my head. Um, but it's far lower and you pay them both simultaneously. So it's not like you're accruing one big debt and you make one payment. You're paying two payments off at the same time, which are never, ever going to be paid off unless, well, not not, not as a main pay scale teacher or even an upper pay scale teacher. It's never going to be paid off. It's just putting unnecessary pressure and stress on people. Uh, and I know that uh, this is something I've probably mentioned him on this podcast before, I think, but Martin Lewis has done a lot around recently and he refers to it as a graduate tax rather than a student loan, which ultimately, let's be honest, that is what it is. You know, that essentially is a tax rather than a loan. We mentioned on our podcast last month, uh, our mini on teacher pay, that ultimately what's on offer isn't going to solve any teacher recruitment or retention. And this is making that issue worse, isn't it? You know, we've said in the past, pay at this level isn't going to resolve a teacher 
recruitment crisis and without a change in my opinion to things like PPA and possibly this issue as well you're not going to solve a teacher retention crisis so it's just adding into that and of course there are other people who've taken loans out have gone on to do other jobs and the, the same probably applies to them but obviously we're talking specifically about education and about teaching this is a job that once you've done your degree you kind of go and give back to the public right you don't then go and make yourself rich by working for some big private corporation or some big private firm you go and do teaching and you know what the maximum amount you're ever going to get paid as a teacher is but you're still having to pay all this back and, and it's as you've said, Dean, it's different for me than it is for you because I did my PGCE. I finished my PGCE in, in 2012. So I started that in September 2011. So my actual degree, I paid around about £1,175 a year for and then £3,000 a year for my PGCE. So I borrowed a lot, lot less. I'm still repaying it now. And I'm 35 and no longer a teacher, but I, I'm still repaying it. And it's even more for, for, for teachers who qualified later. So what do you put you on the spot a little bit here? Um, what do you think should happen fundamentally? If you can wave, wave a magic wand, what do you think the government should do for loans? Should they just scrap them? And, you know, is there a, an idea you've sort of got or something in your minds that you, you, you and your colleagues have talked about in terms of uh, funding HE in the future? Well, the annoying thing is the government already have the answer there because they actually run a scheme for some educators teaching some subjects in some parts of the country they will repay their loans for them. They will rebate the teachers who are teaching those subjects in those areas the money that they pay on student loans. So for, if it was me, for example, I pay over £200 out, I'd get that back monthly. And so they've got the solution there, they're doing it, but what they're doing is they're discriminating based on location and based on subject, which is something we've seen massively from this government, especially when it comes to the recruitment bonuses that they were offering, like... Um, when I trained to be a drama teacher, drama accrued no um, bursary, no money, no extra money. So I, I had to work a full-time job, but someone that was teaching biology would get £25,000 to train, train for a year, and then ciao adios, they're, they're gone, they've got their money, they're not going into teaching. Um, so they've got the answer there, they are doing it for some subjects and some teachers, they just need to roll that out on a massive level within education and within public service as a whole. That would be something for people to have these, these loans it would instantly relieve them of that. So if you are working for a public service, you get your repayments back. Um, I think it's something that you're not going to be able to wave a magic wand over though and fix. It's a massive issue. And I think it's a time bomb that's going to go off. And I think it's going to go off in another 20 years when those 2012 students get to the time when their debt's getting wiped off. It's going to get wiped off anyway. So why are we trying to um, nickel and dime people over these repayments? There's a cost of living crisis. This is something that needs to be sorted now. The government have the means to sort it, so why aren't they? Higher education should be a fundamental right for every single person in this country. We pay our taxes, we pay our national insurance. Why can't we as a country fund higher education? We would be far better off if we had funded higher education and we had people that were trained to do jobs. I, I, I understand that's probably quite a left-wing point of view, but education is powerful that's why we are educators so why are we making this an elitist thing why are we saying you can only go if you can pay i don't i, I don't understand it the solutions there far be it from me to to come up with the solution but i'm an educator i've got too much on my plate that's what we we elect the government to do Interestingly, uh, there's been a, a report recently about uh, the way the education system in the Netherlands and in Germany works. Both of those invest heavily in technical education. 
So whilst the access to higher education is there, it's there for those who want to go on to develop um, further learning and further study. There is also a dedicated route for those who specifically want to go and learn a trade, one which isn't entirely dependent on employers, such as it is in this country through the apprenticeship route. Do you think that is a model that perhaps could be adopted that um, wouldn't necessarily require everybody, but would be open to anybody uh, who wanted to go into into higher education, but would educate and upskill the, the entire uh, workforce potentially uh, and, and, and make it a more robust system? Or are we looking for something a little bit more bespoke for, for Britain? Um, that is definitely a model that we can bring over and, and start looking at. I think you are going to need something that's completely tailored for Britain because we are so dynamic and, and so unique. But there's lessons to be learned. When I was in secondary school myself, all the teachers were doing was talking about university things like apprenticeships were seen as lesser and as a teacher and I think we as educators have an issue because we are doing this to our students we are putting university above all else if you notice the the way teachers talk about GCSEs over BTECs that is 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 putting in this class system this one thing is better than the other and we do that as an education system I probably have been guilty of doing that myself, and that's something that I need to be aware of going forward, that we have been programmed to kind of put things above things, put an degree over an apprenticeship, put a GCSE over a BTEC, and that is something that is incredibly wrong with our system. And uh, I, we I need would, to... Sorry, go on. No, 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 sorry, Dean. I've, I've, uh, sorry to interrupt you. I, I would agree completely, and, I, and I've said this before, certainly in, in conversation with Martin, I think there's a whole overhaul that needs to happen around around education post 16 post 14 education when we do exams there's all sorts of questions to be asked um far from it like you said far from it be for me to make one suggestion but you know we're a democratic organization in our union members can can feel free to contribute to this discussion but i com agree completely um i taught uh, BTEC media studies and GCSE media studies and worked in the media industry and I know exactly which one better prepares you to work in the industry and it's not the GCSE <laughs> I'll tell you that and I was also just like you Dean I would say when I was at school my teachers prepared me at my GCSEs really well to do A levels and then they prepared me really well at A level to go to university and that's great I was really lucky that worked for me I went to university I got a whole bunch of mates who didn't who were were not best prepared for going into college to do their qualifications there or just the world of work either to be honest with you um, and I think that's been a focus I think it's perhaps to do with league tables and things like that with where students go um, how we judge the success of schools in terms of getting students into Oxbridge and all that kind of stuff or Redbrick universities Russell group universities and uh, sorry, Martin, did you want to come in? Just to say that there was a, a big discussion about this um, between A-Level and GCSE Results Day, because, and, and I've done it exactly just there. A-Level Results Day, it wasn't just A-Levels that were published on that day. It was BTEC Level 3s and, and higher level Cambridge Nationals. Um, and, and on GCSE Results Day, it wasn't just GCSEs that were um, presented on that day. BTEC Level 2, the, you know, the firsts, they were all published on that same day. But we don't acknowledge these high quality vocational qualifications. In fact, the government seem to be moving away from BTECs um, with, a, with a focus on their T-levels. And yet we don't yet know whether the T-levels are going to be accepted, are going to be respected by the industry that they're, uh, they're, they're designed to support. Um, and to come back to your point, Rob, about league tables, 
League tables, the EBAC, they are exactly the reason why schools prioritise GCSEs and A-levels, because they are counted, because they are valued in the in the system. They're not necessarily the best option for the children. I agree completely. I mean, maybe it's because we've got drama, media and music teachers here who aren't included in the EBAC <laughs> subjects. Maybe that's what the problem is with us three. But but yeah, I, you know, I agree completely. Uh, Dean, thanks so much for chatting to us about that. Before before you go, can we ask you just to very briefly sort of what your experience of conference was like? Did did, did you enjoy it? Was it different from anything else you've been to that's like that in the past, or or what, what? How did you feel? I really enjoyed it. It was my first time at a community conference, and it was nice to see all the sectors coming together. And actually, I think it was something that I really took away from it was that our issues in education actually transcend education. And issues in other sectors transcend other sectors. And that's one of the great things about community is that it brings so many different sectors together and we come together for one common goal. So today we've talked about student loans, but that goes far beyond education, as we've already said. And it's ways that we can start bringing workers together to tackle issues together and not just a sector at a time. And that's what I found really resounding. I, I thought some of the speeches, some of the motions passed from other sectors were really, really powerful and really gave me a lot to think about and take away and reflect on how we as an education sector can support them and how we can help move community forward for the goals that we're looking for. It'll come as absolutely no surprise to you to learn that we felt exactly the same and so many of the other people that we interviewed on our previous conference special also had that same experience, that those issues were issues that ran through the different sectors and were affecting a wide uh, wide swathe of society. So thank you, Dean, for joining us today. Before you go, I know that not only have you given up your time to speak to us today on this podcast, but actually you host your own podcast. You're you're actually an actor in your own right. Would you like to just take this opportunity to, uh, to just let our listeners know a little bit about what it is that you're up to outside of the world of education? Thanks. Uh, we love a bit of self-promotion. Um, me and my um, colleague Molly are educators and actors and we have lots of things going on. We've got a podcast called Special Measures based on the offset rating, which explores everything education. We look at different topics every week. So check that out. We've also got a drama, like a podcast drama coming out, which is called The Academy Trust. Um, it's coming out in September and it's going to follow a school year. So like our first little episode is a sample of a parody of what a inset day would be like uh, if you want more information you can follow us at blackboard theater on instagram twitter and you get all that there um, i also am the lgbt teacher on instagram which i give a lot of advice a lot of support um to educators who are looking to make their classroom more inclusive uh, so if you follow me on there you'll see lots of advice lots of good books lots of ways to enhance your practice in with inclusivity um specifically towards the lgbt community Thanks so much, Dean. That, that, that I, I encourage anyone to go and um, check out those um, those podcasts. I've listened to Special Measures myself um, for a few of those episodes. I'm sort of catching up. I've got a lot to get through. Um, so I encourage anyone to go and listen to that. And it's a lovely segue, uh, Dean, onto um, what we need to encourage uh, people to do, which is to go and follow us on social media. So people can follow us on... On Facebook, Community Union. You can also follow Community on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Community Union. Or visit our website 
community-tu.org for news, shared content and resources, including the Help Centre, where you can find lots of information to help you and answer many questions that you might have. And finally, if you're a member and you need advice or casework support, please contact your regional officer or call the duty officer on 01332 372 337. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share the Education Policy Podcast with anyone you know. Thanks for listening and we'll join you again for another Education Policy Podcast from Community Union. Mm -hmm.